Screenless. Hello and welcome to another episode of Creative Cuppa, the show where I chat with people working in the many fabulous creative industries. I'm Gareth and I'm a composer for TV and an audio producer for things like this podcast. Anyway, how are you? We're well into the holiday season now, aren't we? So I hope that you've left a little space in your tum for over the festive period. How do you celebrate? Do you celebrate? Do you not celebrate but still eat mince pies? So many questions. You can get in touch using the social media handle at ScreenlessPod. Is the Radio Times out yet? I'll stop. That's too much. More importantly, do you have any creative New Year resolutions? Let me know and I'll read them out on our final show of the year in a couple of weeks or the first show of next year, maybe. We'll see. To today's guest, the wonderful Annette Badland. You'll know her from, well, let me take a swing at some of the things she's appeared in. Here we go. Midsummer Murders, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, The Archers, The Crown, Doctor Who, Ted Lasso, Silent Witness, Whitstable Pearl, Doctors, Plebs, Not Going Out, Man Down, Outlander, Father Brown, Land Girls, Cutting It, Coronation Street, Running Out of Breath. I could honestly fill up the time just reading out what Annette has been involved with. I'm so thrilled to welcome her as a guest to chat about her beginnings, what makes her say yes to a project, her charity work and much more. So if you have a cuppa in hand, here we go. Annette Badland, actress, welcome to Creative Cuppa. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. You're very welcome. It's a real treat to have you on. Now, according to the Internet Movie Database, you're someone known for a wide range of roles on TV, radio and film, which I think is fairly understated looking at the list. (laughs) So instead of going through everything (laughs) that you've done... Let's go through some highlights. Well, we'd be here for a week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. So when was the first time that you felt like acting was a career or could be a career, do you think? Um, like a lot of actors, parents' day when I was 10. Wow, that early. Well, my class, um, I'm an only child, and uh, my class chanted a poem by John Keats, Meg's Merrilies, and I got to enact the character in front of them. And for the first time in my life, I felt the audience and I could make them laugh and I could stop them laughing. Well, wonderful mm. alchemy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Especially as an only child to have that in the palm of your hand. So that experience really stayed with me. And then uh, in secondary school, I was in the, the school Amdrams. The local WI asked me to be in their play for a festival because they wanted a teenager. And I thought, oh, I wonder if I really can do this or, or do they like me because they recognize me? Mm. So I started taking, there's a drama school called Lambda and they do external exams. So my drama teacher at school kindly would, um, I'd give her my pocket money and she would uh, teach me on a Saturday morning wow. and I would take these external exams. I wasn't close to a national youth theatre group and uh, I couldn't afford to travel there any you know to the distance it was I couldn't do so that's how I went on and then she moved on and I went to a private teacher and then eventually I went to a drama school called East 15 which was a little bit unusual was more Stanislavski and method it came out of Joan Littlewood and Stratford East the theatre there Uh, one of the actors started 
you know, the drama school from that. Margaret Berry, who was John Berry, who was a quite a well-known designer, a theatre designer, um, his wife, and she started the school. So fabulous. fabulous. Off I went. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know when you were ten and in front of that school audience that oh right this could unlock a whole career or is it just you just like the feeling and I don't think I knew a career but it opened a door into a different world yeah. something Open I hadn't eyes. experienced before. I mean I say this but I mean I was always a little bit of a clown in classes. I remember oh, I even when I was sort of that, seven. Yet. I know <laughs> I was the one that the, the teacher used to say that girl at the back be quiet. Um, (laughs) and I do remember uh, I was sort of seven years old trying to in a little line to hand some work in and pretending I was at the bus stop and putting my hand out to see if it was raining and looking up and down the road to see if the bus was coming and acknowledging the other and making the class laugh the teacher let me do it bless her actually she was very important to me it was a lady called Miss Bateman and um, I'm working class. We didn't, you know, we had the Bible and a couple of encyclopedias, but no books in the house, or maybe a car manual or two for my dad. But she took me under her wing and she took me home and she had a library and, you know, we sat and had napkins at the table. So that too was a, a little window on the possibility of another world, different from what I knew. And um, I think the that parents day did the same there was something other that i hadn't known about oh it's wonderful (laughs) so that was such a strong effect on me you know i am someone who had to play the innkeeper in this you know before Ah, that i'd just been the innkeeper and had to buy my own lantern and things like that so innkeeper's quite uh, a big part i mean you weren't the the third donkey or anything i didn't feel it I think I, I was a so. shepherd, actually. My natural authority, I suppose. Yeah, I think I was, a, you know, the, like the, the ninth shepherd or something like that. Ah, <laughs> full of wonder. Oh, yeah. Whereas yeah, I yeah. was grumpy and wouldn't let, didn't really want them to come in and they let them come in. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I'm sure lots of people love about you is that even though you've been in some of the biggest films like Jabberwocky, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, um, more recently films like The Man Who Invented Christmas, TV, theatre and radio all seem to be media that you never tire of. Is that a conscious choice or do you just say yes to everything? I say yes to everything. Um, <laughs> I love the variety. I do thrive on that. And the storytelling, the way of telling a story. And uh, I always, I, I genuinely am thrilled when people ask me to do something. Oh, they want me. That's marvellous. Oh, great. I don't accept absolutely everything. But Mm. I'm open to everything, and I think that's important. If I enjoy the story, I think it's got something important to say or it um, engages me, I will, you know, if it's a student film, whatever it is, I will take that journey and see where it goes. I had friends when I was a younger actor, oh, no, I I wouldn't, you know, when I was at the RSC, I wouldn't take television series, no, not doing that, or... I did for quite a while, I did quite a bit of children's telly, which I found one of the most imaginative and permitted places to work. But I did have one particular established actor who said to me, oh, you've really got to stop doing that children's television. You really, but then um, went into Harry Potter. (laughs) 
you know, it's yeah. people's criteria. For them, it, they wouldn't go and, you know, work at the Beeb and, and do a series yeah. for, for the children, but they, they would go and, because it's high-flying, go and yeah. do Harry Potter. I think story as a starting point for your decision-making is always good, isn't it? No matter what, what it has to be. What else can you you can make poor material better? Yeah, a bit. But yeah. um, we've seen some of the biggest Hollywood movies as absolutely awful <laughs> storytelling. I've made yes. so many millions at the box office, and uh, yeah. So yes, I, th- I think it's good to have your own personal criteria for these things. Yeah, yeah. Eye catching and glittery isn't necessarily the best thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Listeners can see you in pretty much everything on TV, it seems. But everything that's been on TV. But let's talk about a series that took 2020 and 2021 by storm. Ted Lasso, it's such a sweet story, isn't it? Yes, it's brilliant. And Jason, I adore Jason. He's a wonderful man. But he can have had no idea when he conceived of it that we'd hit COVID and it would become so important to people. Was that difficult then with the filming? No, we were very lucky. We'd got the first series in before lockdown and then we did manage to um, slot it. And I was doing Midsummer as well, which we managed to do uh, six eps of extraordinarily. Wow. We started last October and came through to July and then Ted came back in in the spring of uh, this year. So we'd achieved one series of Ted Lasso and then we did have a, quite a bit of a hiatus and then started again. I noticed on some of the soaps when the filming started up again, how far apart they all were. They'd be standing in the corners of rooms <laughs> yes. doing scenes. But um, yes. <laughs> but yes, Ted Lasso's won so many awards, not least seven primetime Emmys. I know you can't share anything about season three, but do you know ahead of time where stories and characters are heading or is it kept strictly I under wraps? Don't. I'm I'm quite low down the pecking order, so uh, no, they haven't shared that with me. And we we start again end of January, so they'll start to come up with stuff. Yeah. You know, after Christmas, I guess we'll start to get scripts and things. But no, they tend we now as actors. I mean, not with that because I I have the job. But mm. if you're interviewing for things, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement. So you're yeah. not allowed to divulge anything about the work you're doing, which is extraordinary, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and also it comes in a format you can't print or anything. So as an oldie, I like paper. I like my scripts to be physical and they become like a diary and I scribble all over them and make notes. And it's really tough. And, and even young actors say they can't learn from a screen. It's just, it's not human friendly. You kind of need a little bit of paper to absorb. You must have a very active printer at home. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's always telling me it's, it's running low on ink. Yeah. As soon as I put a new thing in, it's saying low on ink. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That'll be another £80, please, for a cartridge. Yes. Ching! You play May in the, the landlady of the local Richmond pub uh, where I Ted mean. Lasso drinks. A lovely looking pub. Yes. Very fitting for the area, I think. It's based on a real pub. It is a smaller... It is a real pub, is it? Or is Yeah, that it's a, a pub on the green. It's yeah. a real pub on the green. And no, it, it is a set, yeah. but it's based on an actual pub. And there's another very old pub next to it. It's by an alleyway. You sit and oh. you look out on the green. It's got the benches outside. And wow. there's a little passageway to the left. 
but the set is about i think a third smaller than the pub is you know it's it's um it's a reduced size yeah i mean they build it because then they can operate better you know the cameraman and the they've got enough room to to function yeah absolutely so that's may's pub what would annette's pub be like (laughs) <laughs> it would be a country pub with a fire oh, nice. and very good food and people laughing <laughs> yes less bad language yes no football <laughs> <laughs> nice i have to fess up that i don't watch far from georgie best in man united when i was a child that was my seduction to football wow. i remember my my godson when he was he was a spurs he was brought up to be a spurs fan and he was only about four, and they were doing really badly. They had a really long run of bad luck. And he said to his dad, oh, I don't think I want to support Spurs anymore. <laughs> and him getting his dad's finger coming out and the boy getting a whole big lecture about loyalty and teams for life and <laughs> yeah. and this four-year-old boy just <laughs> yeah, all right Josh, okay and i do know the importance of it when i i was growing up football matches were quite violent um mm. i didn't want to go along so when i was up doing a series called cutting it in manchester i decided we went up for four years i had to join in and find out so i did go and watch manchester united and of course a lot of the things i was afraid of or that i adored the gladiatorial yeah. aspect of it, the the beauty of it, the chanting was brilliant and the wit. And I was thrilled by that. And they were things I thought, mm, you know, I'm not going to respond very well to this. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. So I went a few times while I was up there. Fantastic. That's lovely. <laughs> yeah. So you are an ambassador for the charity Acting for Others. What yeah. does the charity do and why is it important to you particularly? Well, it supports all of the industry. Um, it's not just actors. It's, you know, stage management. It's from the, you know, the stage doorman, stage management. And I think that's absolutely fundamental to our business because without all those people, we could not get up on that stage and, and work. So I was very, when they asked me, I was very proud and pleased to be invited in. And we do all sorts of fundraising. I mean, musicals will put on a show, a special show. We haven't been able to do it for a while, but there are a few of us who go um, to the Ivy just after Christmas Mm -hmm. and they open the Ivy on a Sunday. But we are the waiters and the maitre d's. And uh, so I've been a wine waitress. (laughs) Not very successful. I tend to end up sitting down and chatting. Um, (laughs) Mainly because the computerization of the till just is beyond my skills. Are there a lot of people getting free booze there? (laughs) No, they're not. But you have to put it all into the machine. I can't do that. So I'd rather let the waiter do his thing. You know, he knows what he's doing. And I'd just be messing up the works, you know, jamming the machine and everything. So I do start off the evening with great vigor and enthusiasm. And then you find my little bottoms going down on a bonquette next to somebody and just having a chat which I think is terribly important. <laughs> Absolutely, yes, what it's all about. It's what it's all about. Yeah, but but Neil's, you know, Neil Dungeon's a maitre d'. It's just open to so, you know, people pitching and Caroline Quentin was there last time we did it. And yeah, just fabulous. People turn up and want to give back. Hannah, Anna's a, an ambassador to do. Hannah Waddingham, who's in Ted right. Lasso. She's, yeah. she's one of the ambassadors. 
So we just do what we can to help people in our industry and their families who are struggling. That evening sounds like a riot. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so we're nearly at the end of 2021 as we record this. What does 2022 have in store for you? You mentioned Ted Lasso starting in January. Yes, Ted and Midsummer is, we hope, starting in March. Um, but that's not certain yet. And I did do a new series for Channel 4 this year, which I can't talk about, but they hope that will happen again next summer. So all sorts of little bits and pieces. Wonderful, (laughs) wonderful. So if listeners could find out or would like to find out more about your work and you online, where can they find you? Oh, I don't know. I don't have a website or anything. I don't do any of that. Um, IMDB, you know, it's, you know, at the moment I'm back on the Archers as well, which is fun. Horrid Hazel in the Archers. So. You've just been <laughs> involved in some of the most iconic series. It's like, well, oh, I'll do a bit of radio. Let's do the Archers. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing body of work. Yeah, um, I know. I'm very, very lucky. Um, but as I say, I think I didn't have prejudices and... You know, yeah. if you enjoy, I love my work as well. Yeah. I enjoy it when someone does say, oh, will you come and do this? And as I say, if I like the script, then of course I'll be there. Fantastic. Uh, well, I will put some links. I'll find some links for you. Uh, your Rachel right. websites. Yeah, I know you're on the social media as well. So I'll put those links. Oh, the, yes, I do Twitter. The, uh... and Twitter's my mate. I, I haven't got my brain around Instagram. People thought I'd like it, but I can't. <laughs> I can't answer anything. I don't know how to access the. I've no idea. It's all a bit much, isn't it? It's, <laughs> all, it's all a bit much. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I keep trying to keep up with the tech, but it does make me tear my hair out now. Yeah. And anything you do, like I did a lot of audio stuff during lockdown, but no, but two people use the same system. So I'd get my brain round one way of doing it. And they go, oh, no, we don't use Audacity. We use. Yeah. River song or something else, and I get and I try that for a bit, and then oh no, we don't do that. We do then you go, yeah, yeah, just well, (laughs) yes, meeting up in person that would be nice at some point, wouldn't it? Yeah, just to, yeah, you can't go wrong with that. (laughs) No technical difficulties involved, no, but now we have to wear a mask and yeah, uh, not hug again, yeah, yeah, fingers crossed next year that'll be possible. Yeah. 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 Well, it's been absolutely wonderful talking with you, Annette. But for now, thank you so much for joining me for a cuppa. And I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. Oh, thank you very much. And I hope everyone else has a wonderful Christmas full of sparkle and joy and love and that they can be with the people they want to be with and and, uh, have a glorious day, a glorious week. (laughs) (laughs) yeah bring out the mince pies yeah bring on that turkey (laughs) (laughs) mistletoe and everything (laughs) (laughs) thanks annette oh my pleasure lots of love happy happy christmas Thanks again to Annette for her time and I wish her all the happiness 2022 can bring. In my quest to find those common threads that connect us creatives, I think Annette spoke about a really important one there and that's storytelling. If the story's good, then it's the best foundation to build something. There's definitely something in that, I think. 
What do you think, though? Come and tell me directly in the Creative Cuppa Facebook group, why don't you? Speaking of which, we have a regular Friday catch-up and a natter in the video room there, but this coming Friday, yes, that's Friday the 17th of December 2021 at 9 of the clock a.m., the Creative Cuppa group will be having a charity Christmas chatter on Zoom in aid of the charity Shelter, who offer personalised help with housing issues and homelessness, including a free helpline and legal advice to help people who've lost their homes or are facing eviction. So if you'd like to take half an hour out of your day to have a cuppa and a mince pie with some fellow creatives for a donation to an amazing organisation, go and join the group by searching for Creative Cuppa on Facebook or contact me via the email hello at thesoundboutique.com or via any of the socials using at ScreenlessPod. I'm very easy to find. I hope you can join us. But for now, stay kind, stay creative, and thanks for joining me for a cuppa. Mm-hmm.